Good morning. You guys are great today. You're awake. Isn't it a great day to be alive? Listen, you have no earthly idea how much we talk about you during the week. What are you laughing about? We have all these conversations about how blessed we are uh, as staff to pastor such an incredible group of people. Amen? We are more blessed than you could ever imagine. You are a great church, um, and we are blessed. Would you look to the person on your right or your left and your left and say, I just want you to know today that you're awesome. Would you do that? For some of you, that might be a stretch, right? Okay. You know, ah, you're all, well, okay, you're good. But anyway, um, I want you to know, isn't it awesome to have students that are up here leading in worship? Yeah. Um, over the past year, Peyton has had the privilege of serving. We've had the privilege of her serving here at Heritage as an intern. Uh, she was accepted not long ago, a couple of months ago, and she'll be headed to Liberty in the fall. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And so, uh, Peyton, we are very thankful for you and uh, just this whole team for the support of the adults in the background. And uh, we are just blessed. I see Paul back on the soundboard back there working on things. Paul, what a great asset you are. And uh, I, I don't say this flippantly. Sometimes kids are better doing things than what adults are. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. We're glad that you're here today. We're going to pick up where we left off last week in Romans chapter 11, if you would go ahead and turn there. And um, just to say this, man, I'm glad that you're here today. Today is an important day for us as we spend time in the Word. And I want you to know that today at the end of the service, there will be a time when Caleb will come back up and he'll lead us in what's called an invitation song. It's an opportunity to respond. Because this is what I know, whether you're listening online or whether you're here today personally, there's the possibility that there are people that are here listening that don't know Jesus. And today could be that day that for the first time in your life you recognize your need and you have an opportunity to respond we do invitations sometimes at the end, sometimes we don't. There's always an open invitation at Heritage. More people are saved during the week time of people saying yes to Jesus than they are on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings isn't our focus for, for, for 40 hours during the week. This is a privilege for us to gather as the body of Christ. But there are people that make many decisions outside of Sunday morning. And, uh, but this morning, we want to be able to make sure that you have an opportunity to respond either in to, to the Lord, to come to him, to know him, or maybe you've got something specifically you want to pray about um, or somebody you'd like to pray for this morning. We'll be having that time at the end. While you're turning there in Romans chapter 11 to, to verse 11, where we're going to be picking up, I want to mention the word God's sovereignty. We've been sort of talking about that. And let me just define it for you in a very simple way. God has the right and the power to do what he wants when he wants. Okay? That's... If you want a definition for God's sovereignty, that's one. God has the power and the right to do what he wants whenever he wants to do it. And we've been talking about God's sovereignty in light of 
God's chosen people, the Jewish people who had rebelled against God and been disobedient to God. And the question that we saw last week was in light of their disobedience, um, had God, was God going to reject the Jewish people? And Paul said, no, absolutely not. In other words, were, were the promises that God made to the Jewish people, were they, were they null and void because of their rejection? And, and Paul's been teaching us in chapters 9 through 11, that God had a plan, God has a plan for his chosen people, past, present, as well as future. And God's promises are trustworthy. You can take it to the bank. He is faithful. And just as God has a plan for his chosen people, he also has a plan for the church. And I want you to hear that today. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today, buddy? Awesome. Good to see you. Um, so we're going to begin there in chapter 11 of Romans in Paul's letter to the church at Rome, and we are going to read some verses, and we're going to pray this morning. Um, but here we are, um, just as we began last week with a question, we're going to begin this week with a question, and here's what Paul began with saying. Did God's people stumble, stumble and fall beyond re recovery? And what was Paul's response? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles. But he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched, um, were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. I'm saying all of this, especially for you Gentiles. Remember, Paul's writing to the church is made up of Jews and Gentiles. God has appointed me as an apostle to the Gentiles, and I want to stress this. For I want to somehow make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have, so I might save some of them. Would you pray with me today as we start out our time? Father, it is a great day to be in this place, to gather, to worship. With all the foolishness that's going on around the world, it's, a, it's great to be able to pause, to take a moment, to take a step outside of the, the regular patterns of life, and to gather together as your children and your people to read your word. And Father, as we read your word, I'm reminded of the power of your word. And the Bible says that your word doesn't return void. And I pray that even today, God, that we would hear the message that the Spirit himself would want us to hear. Take away anything that this, uh, this teacher and the frailties and the brokenness of who I am might say that would be a hindrance. Spirit, would you speak today? May we hear your voice and the depths of your word and grasp that today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So let's talk about God's plan of restoration. Not just specifically for the Jews, but all for all humanity. And this is what I want you to know up front. Number one, that God has a plan for the church. God has a plan for the church. And the church is blessed by God to provoke the Jews to faith in Christ. And up front, we see here Paul making it very clear that even though God's chosen people had stumbled, they didn't stumble beyond recovery so that they couldn't recover. God hadn't turned his back on them, but he had a plan to restore them. And it was during this season that we see the church had begun and God was, was pouring out his blessings on the church that was made up of primarily Gentiles at this place. There were more Gentiles than, than Jews. If you remember, uh, the church had moved out of Jerusalem. It had spread because of, 
um, because of the persecution that had taken place. And now we're years later after the resurrection and after the beginning of, of the church. And you see here in verse 11 and 14 something really important. That the purpose of the blessings on the Gentiles was to provoke the Jews to jealousy. That the Jews would see the blessings on the church because of their obedience and because of their faithfulness. And uh, they, in turn, the Jews would experience this. They would see it and they would want to return because they would want to, to have what they had in Christ. Now, you probably don't think about this very much. Matter of fact, I know that you probably don't even think of this. It's not on your radar screen. But have you ever considered the fact that what God might be doing in your life could have an impact in the lives of the others on the outside who don't know Jesus? I mean, have you ever considered that? In other words, as a result of what God is doing specifically in your life, that a person could say and looking at you say, man, I, I want what Trent has because Trent is different. I can see, I, I see Charlie's life and I want, I want what Charlie has because there's something that's different about Charlie. I mean, think about this just for a second. How do we as believers live in such a way that the non-believers, those who don't know Christ around us, become jealous of our lives? Wow. They see Jesus, they see a light that they don't have and they want it. I mean, I love this. I mean, how in the world do we live in such a way that the people on the outside, they want what those of us on the inside have and they go, man, I got to have that. That people are prompted to want what we have in Christ because they see it as being desirable and attractive. That other people can come to Christ seeing you and how you're living and your relationship with Jesus being lived out. Maybe it's our love for God. Maybe it's our love for other people. Maybe, maybe it, they, they see uh, forgiveness when we've been hurt. Instead, instead of returning evil for evil, we choose to, to make the choice of forgiving and, and loving instead. Or how many times do us as believers go, I forget you. But because of what they see in us, they go, man, there's something different. Maybe, maybe it's a sense of contentment in a world which is so uncontented these days. Maybe it's the peace that others see within us as we walk through the storms of life. But the reality is this, that as believers, our life should be different. Amen? Uh, let me say that one more time because I didn't get a lot of responses. That our lives as believers should be different. Amen? Amen? And the world on the outside should be able to see that. Amen? But why is it the world on the outside doesn't want to come on the inside? It's because they see the people on the inside from the outside and they go, why in the world should we want to go on the inside when their people on the inside are no different from those of us that are on the outside? Did I say that right? Yeah, I think I did. You look at statistics across the board and how many times that the statistics of the world and the church, are they the same? Woe is me. And you wonder why the church has lost a sense of power inside the culture in which we live? I remember Big John. Big John was in his late 40s, early 50s when he came to know the Lord. He had a big old knot on his head. That's why we called him Big, big John, Big John. Some of you are old enough to remember that song. That's right. And so, um, so anyway, um, Big John had this knot and, and he was known for barroom fights. As a matter of fact, I think that knot on his head was the result of somebody hitting him in the head with a, with a bottle at some point in time when he was in a bar. 
But later on in John's life, he came to know Jesus. And this man that was known for brawling became a lover of Jesus. And his life was radically changed. That he would sit down and have conversations and just weep because of what Jesus had done in his life. Multiple people came to know Jesus as a result of what they saw in John's life, who they knew him to be and as a result of what he had become. And I remember the day that I got the phone call that John had gotten cancer. He had received uh, word that life was short. And he sat down with his wife and he said, Norma, he said, this is what I want to do. He said, I, I want to take and I want to list out all the people that I happen to know personally that don't know Jesus. And he said, over these days, how long or short they may be, what I want to do is I want to set an appointment with them. I want to set an appointment every so often throughout the day, as long as I can, and I want to be able to, to share Jesus. And you know, in those last days of John's life, that's exactly what he did. And there were multitudes of people that come to know Jesus because not only of his testimony of He's sharing the gospel, but they knew that John's life was different because they saw the difference in him. I got some messages this past week about Steve Whitaker. They were good messages. They weren't bad messages. Talking about Steve's impact on people's lives on the outside of where he's doing ministry at in some of the places, some of the places that other people don't want to go. And I watched as these burly men would share about Steve's impact because they saw the difference that Fireplug had in their life. Do you know there's a world on the outside that's waiting to see that from us? Why in the world do they want to come to know Jesus when some of us lack the way that we act and call ourselves believers? Shame on us. Shame on us. When Jesus was asked of all the commandments which were the greatest, he said in Matthew 22, Jesus' response to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commands, they go hand in hand because when we live out the first, we can fulfill the second. But if we aren't loving others, you need to go back and check yourself, as my buddy would say. Because maybe there's a problem in your relationship with Jesus. No, it may not, may, no, it may not maybe. There is a problem in your relationship with Jesus and maybe your love for God isn't as strong as you think it should be. If you're struggling in your relationship with other people, you better check yourself. But apparently God's plan for the church is for us to be able to recognize and understand that the fact that we love God when we love him with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and we love our neighbors as ourselves, when we begin to live that way, it causes us, um, it causes us and others to be able to have, to have a, a desire to want to wanna see and want to have what we have. It's a simple plan, but it's an effective plan that God put in place to help us better understand a Jew to a, a Jew, a neighbor, a neighbor to a Jew would have been a, a neighboring Jew. But Jesus raised that standard. He said, no, it's just not somebody that's like you, that has the same personality that you, has the same culture as you, but it's others around you that are in, within your sphere of influence. I mean, it's easy to like people that are like us, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, that share the same talents, that share the same gifts, have the same personality. It's really easy sometimes to, to have and share in those relationships, but it's different when you got to give grace and you got to give some space. And Jesus said that we're not only called to love God, but we're called to love our neighbor. And when we do, it makes a difference. 
So how do you live in such a way that others around us are provoked? That because of our love for Jesus, that those around us are provoked to have what we have. And every day, <laughs> every day we have the privilege of living in such a way and being an ambassador and living out our faith. Recognizing that our hope comes from no other place but from Jesus and Jesus alone. So to begin with, we see God blessing the church. Paul's saying that the church has been blessed and he's been blessed to stir the hearts of the unbelieving Jews so that the others may come to know Christ. And secondly, we see that the church owes a debt to the Jews. Listen to what Paul says there beginning in verse 15. For since the rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will, even, will, will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who are dead. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy, just as the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles who were branches from the wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessings that God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in this rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about what, what's being grafted into to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch. You're not the root. So to begin with, we have an olive tree that represents the people of God. We have a root that represents the patriarchal promises that God had made to the chosen people. We have the natural branches that represent the ethnic Israel, Jews, and the wild branches that represent the Gentiles. And Paul likens the church here, which remember was primarily made up of Jews at this stage, to a branch that had been broken off of a wild olive tree, had been grafted in and cultivated into an olive tree and its root that represented the Jews. And if you're a farmer, that probably makes a little bit more sense to Bill. Bill probably goes back to his times of, of orange groves and grafting in and, and all that that takes place. But here's what Paul is saying. Paul is, Paul is saying that the church is made up of both Jews and Gentiles, and they both share in the nourishment from the same root based on faith in God. And it can be easy to look down and, uh, on the Jews and criticize them for all that they did, but we must recognize, listen, Man, if it wasn't for the Jews, we wouldn't have Jesus. Amen? Absolutely. It's important for us to recognize that and remember that. That we have a debt, that we owe a debt to the Jews because of Jesus. It's also important to understand the church is encouraged to continue in faith. Look at what he says there in 19 through 22. Well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you were there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourselves. Boy, that's hard from time to time. Don't think highly of ourselves. How many times do we think highly of ourselves? We think more of ourselves than what we should be thinking. He said, don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe towards those who disobeyed, but kind to, those, to, kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will be cut off. And Paul is saying that the chosen people are currently not the particular recipients of God's blessings. 
and his grace that the way that the church was because of their apathy and rebellion, because of their disobedience. They had turned their back on God and they had turned to idols. And Paul's saying to the church at Rome there in verse 20, watch out, watch out. Because the same thing that's happened to them can be the same thing that happens to you. Don't you dare take God for granted. But continue to grow in faith. Stay the course. Let me ask you a question. So how are you growing spiritually? So let's say you have a relationship with Jesus, which I assume that most of us in this room do and most of us listening. But instead of becoming stale and taking your relationship with God taking it for granted. How, how, how are you intentionally growing spiritually? When we talk about heritage, we talk about the mission for us to be able to leave a legacy and faith in Jesus Christ by creating those environments where people are growing spiritually, sharing life and serving others. So the question I'd like to ask for you is how are you intentionally, Gail, going about growing spiritually in your relationship with Jesus, that you're staying the course and you're consistently moving ahead. Isn't that, a good, isn't that a good question? Because can't we come to the place that all of a sudden we think, well, I don't need that anymore. I've, I've accepted Jesus. That's enough for me. Be careful. Be careful. There's room for growth in every one of our lives. Amen? Every one of us should be in God's word on a regular basis which should constitute every day. If you're waiting in here to get fed, listen, you are getting hungry. Matter of fact, you're probably famished. Spiritual growth is something that is a part of our everyday life. Every day we should be spending in time listening to God's word, listening to God's voice, seeking to grow so that we become different, so that the world may come to know that we're his ambassadors. How can we share what we ourselves haven't first obtained? So here's the plan as it relates to the church. The church has been blessed by God to provoke the Jews to faith in Christ. He goes on to say that the church needs to recognize that there's, an, there's a debt that we owe the Jewish people. And the church is continued to inc- be encouraged to grow in their faith. And if you don't, watch out. Because we can make the same mistakes that the Jewish people made in neglecting and turning away from God. So God has a plan for the church. But God also has a plan for the Jews. Look at God's plan to restore the Jews that we see there in verse 23 through 32. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again, for God has the power to graft them back into the tree. You, by nature, were a branch cut off from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into this cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. Does that make sense? I want you to understand this mystery. That's a good thing to circle, to underline, the mystery. Dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will only last until the full number of Gentiles. That's another thing to circle. The full number of Gentiles come to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. As the scripture says, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem He will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them, that I will take away their sins. Verse 28, many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news. And this benefits you Gentiles. Yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for God's gifts. And his call can never be 
withdrawn. So God has a plan to restore the Jews, and the Jews will be be restored through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul said, when the Jews repent and they turn to God through Jesus, it won't be hard for God to graft them in to his kingdom. In other words, if God can take the Gentiles who were previously had no covenant relationship with God and graft them into this new covenant relationship through faith, it won't be hard for God to do the same exact thing with the Jews, that the Jews will be restored when they come to faith in Jesus. Now, we see the word mystery that's mentioned there in verse 25. We see that word mystery. And when we see the word mystery in the New Testament, it's referring back to something in the Old Testament that really wasn't made clear, but it's unveiled in the New Testament. And Paul's saying here in verse 25, I want you to understand the mystery, this mystery, and not be ignorant. I don't want you to feel proud about yourselves, but Paul refers to the Israel's restoration occurring after the full number of Gentiles come to Christ, or in your translation, it may be the fullness of the Gentiles. Well, with that being said, let's go back to the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus sending his disciples to Jerusalem to be there until the Holy Spirit come that would fill them. And Jesus said, listen, you go there and you wait. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come. You're going to know exactly what to do. The Holy Spirit comes. Chaos erupts. Peter stands up and says, guys, let me tell you what's going on here. Man, this is exactly what was predicted way back here. And he begins to share the gospel. And at that moment in time, there were 3,000 people that said, listen, I believe There were 3,000 Jews that said, I believe and I want to trust Jesus. And they repented and they were baptized. And that was the beginning of what we call the church age. And, And the church age will end at the time of the rapture. There's a time coming if we go all the way up to 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 4.13, the church age from when it began, it will end at this time over here when the rapture, when Jesus comes back. And that will be the fullness of the Gentiles. That's what they're talking about here, the fullness of the Gentiles. There's coming a time when, Jesus will, when, when God will say, Jesus will say, okay, it's up, time's up, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. That word rapture means to be caught up or to taken up. And the Bible says in the twinkling of the eye, the church will be taken up and meet Christ in the air. And this will happen. It's coming. And as we think about these times that we're living in and all the chaos and all the confusion that surrounded us, you know, we're just sitting on the edge of our seat wondering, okay, when's this going to take place? Because it's definitely sooner than later. But in the middle of all that that we're experiencing, we don't have to be discouraged, but we can be encouraged as well as excited because every single day that we live is one day closer to Jesus' return. Amen? It's coming. It's going to take place. And with that in mind, like we said last week, man, understanding that Jesus is coming back soon, there's so much work that needs to be done. I want you to, to write also this down. The Jews will be restored as a, as a group. Verses 26 to 29. So Paul says that all Israel will be saved. With this statement, there are really three questions we need to take a quick look at. Who is Israel? When will Israel be saved? And how does Israel get saved? When Paul's talking about all Israel here, he's saying, I believe that he's talking about ethnic Israel, not the people group as a whole. 
Well, when will it be that Israel will be saved? In verse 26 and 27, we, we see Paul going back and quoting from the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah 59, which helps us answer this question. Surely there will be those that come to Christ along the way as the gospel is preached. That's going to happen. But this passage seems to be pointing to something in the future that's coming, an event, a time when the one who comes when, from Jerusalem, talking about the second coming of Christ, and there's a large number of Jews that return to Christ experiencing this new covenant. And if you're here today, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've entered into this new covenant. You're a part of this new covenant. This, this new covenant that was ushered in and talked about back in, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31. And the foundation of that new covenant is not the law, but it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And so how will Israel be saved? The exact same way that anyone else is saved, that a Jew is saved, only through forgiveness and faith in Jesus Christ. There are no exceptions, people. No exceptions. No exceptions at all. And here Paul writes in verse 29, he said, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. There are some people that take this and they think they're talking about spiritual gifts like service or evangelism or, or some of those gifts, teaching. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. It's not what he's talking about at all, but he's talking about the privileges and the invitation that God gave the Jewish people, that what he gave to them cannot be withdrawn, taken away. And this is what I think we need to understand, that just as the Bible prophesied the first coming of Jesus and his birth, and all of, all of that which was carried out, and we see that in the, in the birth of Jesus in the New Testament, we need to be reminded that that God has a plan and nothing will stop it. it. Just as the scripture detailed the coming of Jesus the first time, the Bible also talks about the second coming of Christ and he will complete it. God's got a plan and nothing will stop it. And when Paul is thinking about this plan, it's almost like he says, I can't help but thank God and praise him for what's going on, which brings us to that last point. God's plan and restoration are to be praised. Read me there, verse 30. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful. Underline that word merciful. He was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels, and God's, there's mercy, underline that, has come to you so that they too will share in God's and God's what? Mercy, there it is again. Something must be going on here. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have goodness, gracious, and life. Here it is another time. Mercy. Mercy on everyone. So God is to be praised for his plan, his restoration, and his mercy. And Paul begins by saying that the Jews started out being disobedient. And as a result of their disobedience, God had demonstrated his mercy in restoring the Gentiles, the non-Jews, because of their faith. But God is eventually going to demonstrate his mercy and restore the Jews when they repent and turn to God. And here in these three verses, there are four references to mercy and merciful. Man, and I got to believe, I got to believe that there's a reason that, that, that Paul has written in these words this amount of time in this just little compact place of, of verses. And I think the, the point that he's wanting to make that forgiveness of God, salvation, and restoration, it's all a gift. It's God giving us something that we don't deserve. It's, it's God withholding something that we do reserve. 
And because of God's mercy, both Jews and Gentiles will be restored in the exact same way through faith in Jesus. And then Paul goes on to write and listen to these, listen to these questions or statements. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the thoughts of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice? Who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? And here's the implication of the statements. Who can understand, fully understand the mind of the Lord? Not me. And not you. And these aren't just questions that are normal part of our daily conversation, but these are, these are questions that people have wondered about for years. Go back to the Old Testament, read the book of Job, and you'll see that. But we need to be reminded that in God's sovereignty, He's chief, that He's in charge, that He alone possesses absolute power and authority and absolute wisdom. And the result... We have a tremendous dependency on Him. And even though many of God's people, His chosen people, have rejected Christ, I'm reminded today that God has a plan. And even there are maybe people in this room today who are listening to my voice that has rejected Christ. I have to believe this, that God has a plan, that God is faithful, He is trustworthy. And he will bring it to pass. Look at that last verse there. For everything, everything comes from him and exists by his power and it is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. And with all the foolishness and all the distractions, and everything that's taking, around, taking place around us, it would be really easy just to get focused in and sitting at the front of the TV and looking at the news. Don't do it. Cause us to be anxious about what's next. But in the middle of that, I'm reminded today God's got a plan. And He's faithful. And He's going to carry it out. For us as believers to recognize that God has a plan and we have the privilege of being a part of that plan. To recognize that there's a world that doesn't know Jesus, Jews and Gentiles. And that God has blessed the church with the ability to be able to live in such a way that others see Jesus in us and they go, I want that. Do you know Jesus? Do others know that you know Jesus? Is there a question today? When we're done here today, I don't want there to be any more questions. You're either in or out. There is no middle way. You I'm a partial believer. No, you're not a partial believer. This isn't horseshoes, people. Not horseshoes. Either you're in or you're out. Do you know him? If you're knowing, how are you growing spiritually? Just a second, I want to pray with you. Caleb and Peyton are going to sing for us a song. And uh, I said to you up front that there would be an opportunity for you to respond. And Brian Broom is over here and, and uh, 
we got Michael and Brian Williams. They're going to come and they're going to stand. And we'll move out of the way. There's going to be a song that's sung. And during this song, if there's a question within your heart about your salvation, about you knowing Jesus personally, today is an opportunity for you to stand up right there where you are and for you to be able to respond. It's a time for you to say, it's that time. I want to trust Jesus. And today you have the ability, while the song is being played, to be bold and courageous, to stand up. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not having you to raise your hands or any of those things. It's just whether or not, listen, you know whether or not you know him. You know whether or not you have a relationship with Christ. And if you don't have that relationship, today is an opportunity for you to respond. But maybe you're here today and you have a relationship with Jesus, but you've not been the light that you need to be. Maybe today you'd like to come and just kneel in prayer. Maybe you would like to pray with one of these guys that are standing. We'd love for you to be able to respond as well. Or maybe you're here today and there's somebody that you've been praying for. Somebody that God has placed within your sphere of influence that you've had an opportunity to live out Jesus. And today you just would like to come and to kneel or maybe talk to one of these guys and pray. And if that's you, we want to give you this chance. So as Peyton and and Caleb sing in just a second, This is an invitation. It's a chance for you to respond. We offer that to you. I'd like to pray with you, and then after I pray with you, I want to ask you to stand. Would you pray? Jesus, thank you for the privilege of being here to be a part of this time. What an incredible group of people. But the word is very clear. There is no salvation without Jesus. Father, I pray today for those that may be at that place of of making a decision to trust Jesus. I pray for those today that have been prompted to think about, maybe I'm not being the light that I need to be. And Lord, they they wanna come and say, would you pray with me today? Or maybe they just wanna kneel and pray. Or for the ones that are here, that have somebody that's just just eating at them because they they see see that they don't know Christ and and they're praying and they just wanna bring it to you today and acknowledge the fact that Jesus, this is, I feel you've laid this on my heart. Thank you for the privilege of being in this place. And as Peyton and Caleb sing, God, would you speak through them? Would you encourage us with these words as we participate in this invitation in Jesus' name? Amen. Would you stand with us today? Beautiful the blood 
we are forgiven forever, forgiven forever. The victory is won, Jesus is risen, love is overcome, we are forgiven forever. Forgiven forever Before we had fallen Redemption was planned. You were our hope long before time began. It was you. It was you. And after the heavens and earth pass away, we'll stand together with one voice and say, It is you. Jesus, it's you, and worthy is the Lamb, seated in heaven, beautiful the blood, we are forgiven forever, forgiven forever, the victory is won. Jesus is risen, love is overcome, we are forgiven forever, forgiven forever. No death, no life, no present or future, no angel, no demon, no power, no creature can take me away from the love that's in Jesus Christ. No death, no life, no present or future, no angel, no demon, no power, no creature can take me away from the love that's in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Beautiful the blood, we are forgiven forever, forgiven forever. Worthy is the Lamb, seated in heaven. Beautiful the blood, we are forgiven forever, forgiven forever. is risen, love is overcome, we are forgiven forever, forgiven forever. 
Isn't it awesome that God allows us to be part of what he's doing and that he's included us in his plan? It reminds me that there's a lot of work to be done, right? A lot of work to be done that God invites us, chooses us to be a part of his plan. And we, as you go out today, have the privilege of being God's representative, his hands and feet, his ambassadors. And so today as we pray and as we leave out for our heritage family, for the family at large, we need to be busy. Summertime, it's summertime, but we don't ever take a break when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. So what a privilege it is. So as we pray, even today, would you be reminded of the people around us that God has placed in our sphere that we have the privilege to, to witness to. Jesus, I thank you for our day today and for the word that, that we read in your scriptures. Today as we leave, I'm reminded of the privilege and the opportunity we have as your children to be a light into this world that's dark. And when a light goes into a place of darkness, it has a, an ability to create an, an incredible impact. Jesus, may we be reminded of that. Help us to be your hands and your feet daily not just on Sunday mornings between the hours of, of 9 and 12, but may we realize that you called us to live for you 24-7. Jesus, impress that upon us as we go today. Use us as your children to impact this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.